Hallelujah. What an awesome day that the Lord has made. He made this day especially for us. Everyone alive in this earth today, God made this day for you. If you really think about it, we kind of take one day at a time, step by step, but the reality is, is time on this earth, physical time, is for you and me to accomplish His will. There's a purpose in everything that we do. I uh, just love uh, when Justin was transitioning. Um, he said, Justin said, walk by faith, not by knowledge. And immediately the Lord grabbed my mindset because you've heard, you know, what I teach about knowledge. Knowledge is, is knowing something, but, but, but not applied to wisdom yet. Wisdom is taking knowledge and applying it wisely. And a lot of people want to walk with what they know, but they actually don't apply it wisely for wisdom. And so when Justin said, walk by faith, not by knowledge, it's actually a true biblical perspective. It's, it's we, faith is knowing that God's going to look after us, that we're going to step out in faith, but yet you can't see it. But you can see the outcome of faith. So true wisdom is taking what God said to step out in faith, live a life of faith. True wisdom is now applying it and not trying to formulate the understanding in our knowledge. Do you understand? Knowledge, you can know the Bible, but if you don't apply it, you're not wise. You can know the Bible, you can know everything about the Bible, you can tell people what to do, but if you don't apply it in your own life, you're not wise. You don't have wisdom, you just have knowledge. And that's what Jesus came to actually straighten out with the Pharisees and Sadducees was they had great knowledge. And one thing with knowledge, without applying it wisely, knowledge will always try to build its own kingdom. Knowledge will always try to build its own identity outside of Christ Jesus. And so what you know is not wrong, but how you apply it can actually build a kingdom separate from God's kingdom. And you'll build your own ministry, you'll build your own platform, you'll build your own business, you'll build your own thing, but you'll do it without faith. And so you can't apply the knowledge wisely without faith. But faith is doing something that you know God's going to help you with and walk through, but yet you don't know the understanding of it because God knows that knowledge cannot build His kingdom. It's faith applying knowledge which creates wisdom. Anyways. I thought that sounded like a good little message. Justin also said, walk by faith without needing to hear from God. Well, faith is hearing from God. And so what he's saying is it's actually revelational. That so many times we want to hear from God what we're supposed to do, but that's not faith. So you're either going to walk by faith or you're going to walk by hearing from God. And you say, well, hold it. That sounds contradictory. Absolutely. Because if you walk just by hearing from God, you won't walk by the faith to actually do what he's saying to do. I'm not saying you can't hear from God. But if you don't have faith to do it, he might not speak to you audibly about it. He's looking for people that have unlimited faith that he can actually talk in a way that you don't have to hear. In other words, in the Word, it's already structured 
Do you hear the word? You can only hear the word by faith if it applies, if it changes your life and puts it into application. Then you hear the word by faith and you're now obedient to the faith of the word. If you just hear the word, then you're back to knowledge without the faith and it's not being applied wisely. And so what God is asking us to do, I truly believe in revelation of what Justin just said, Walk by faith without needing to hear from God, which we get so trained that I need to hear the voice of God to do something, but that's no longer faith. Now you're being told what to do, and it doesn't take faith to be told what to do unless you don't trust the voice. But to be told what to do from a written book, the living word of God, to be told what to do and the faith to do it without the knowledge to know how to do it is true faith walking in wisdom. Yeah. Faith is based on hearing God. It's his word. That's what takes faith. So if my son comes to me and says, you know, dad, how do I do this? Or what should I do? Well, do this, son. It doesn't take faith to do it. Because I actually have taken the responsibility for it. I've told him what to do. Well, God's already told us what to do. He's now looking for a responsible people in faith to do it without him having to retell you over and over again. You hear what I'm saying? Of course we want to hear from God. Of course we do. I believe his voice in New Covenant is, is, is many times more of a confirmation of the faith we should already have. So when, when Sharon and I were praying about the word of the Lord that was delivered to, to, to me, to us, while we were on a cruise ship in the Caribbean in 1988, to sell everything, get a boat, and start a ministry. That's in a nutshell. Well, we had our businesses. We were doing very well. So the Lord said that to me in a vision, in a, I believe, an audible voice of God at night. But I already had, and my wife, through our marriage together of great faith, we already had a faith level that was willing to hear the audible voice of God. God loves to speak audibly or speak to us through prophetic and prophecies when he knows his people are willing to hear it. But when the people aren't living in a faith level to hear the word, many times his voice doesn't speak because he knows you're not willing to hear it. He might hint at things. He might even tell you outright. But if you've had the same prophetic word two times or three times and you haven't done it, do not expect to hear the voice of God again. You're all looking at me like, uh-oh, uh-oh. What, what I believe the encouragement is, is that he wants people to live in faith more than he wants to give you a word. Because he knows that if he gives the word without the level of faith needed to do the word, then he's speaking and not having obedient people to do it. I believe he's already spoken. It's right here. 
When we're doing this in our lives, when Jesus Christ's lifestyle becomes our whole testimony of life, I guarantee you, he probably will not stop speaking to us. Okay. Justin, I love this. Justin said we need to say Jesus more than COVID. Amen. Amen. I'm... I'll be honest with you, it's my own personal feeling, but I'm actually absolutely sick and tired of this COVID thing. It's driving me nuts. It's crazy. Hey, it's a virus. Don't get me wrong. Do what you need to do. Do your social distancing. Uh, Breathe through your masks. Do what you need. Whatever you need to do, you feel comfortable in, in your faith level, whatever that looks like, that's fine. But it's interesting, and, and, and I just, I really have been praying for, you know, for President Trump and, and First Lady Melania um, because they have COVID, and a lot of people are out, slam the daylights out, and even some of the news media are saying that they hope he dies or his family dies from this COVID. I'm like, come on. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, he got COVID because he doesn't wear a mask. You got to understand the president of America. No one sees him without a COVID test. Every single day, every person that goes into the White House has a COVID test. So the one person who's least likely to get COVID would be the president. Well, no, 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 he's walking around with a mask. Yeah, but the people, the distancing, and the ones that get anywhere close to social distancing with him have all gone through COVID tests. What I truly believe is it's not because he wasn't wearing a mask, because the majority of people realize that the COVID virus is... 0.4 of a micron, and an average mask is about 8 to 10 to 12 microns, so it's not stopping the virus. It will stop your spitting, which is why people sit far away from me, because when I'm ministering, it only sits, so just don't lie on the floor right here. Oh, little COVID's running around. Get out of here, you devils. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Uh, but you know, there's two perspectives to look at things, and I truly believe that Justin, the word the Lord was given him, was triggering our faith more than our knowledge, was triggering where are we going to walk in faith. The flu is rampant right now. There's many, many people that have the flu, and it's panic mode. It's COVID, it's COVID. Well, it's actually, no, they don't have COVID. They actually just have the flu. And it's running rampant right now in, in the different areas, and they say it could be a very big flu season this year, too. So we're going we're gonna to be nuts. If you have any sore throat or scratchiness or runny nose, you can't leave your house, I mean, we're going to be deserted soon. Like, it's going to be a tough scenario, possibly. I just want to encourage us, be wise, but use faith over knowledge. Does that make sense? Have I offended everybody yet? I had a great hunting trip. <laughs> my son and I, it was great. We went with some great friends, uh, Jerry and Steve, and, and uh, just an amazing time up there. Um, we, we tested that moose to make sure it didn't have COVID, and it was clean. <laughs> Sorry, I'm joking. I, that's, COVID's, COVID's a virus, I know, but man, I, let's just pray. Let's just pray right now. Just Father, we just lift up people with COVID, uh, people with influenza, people with cancer, uh, the car accidents that are killing the most amount of people. Uh, Father, life is so fragile, and you created it fragile not so we would live life with knowledge, but so we would live life with faith. It's so fragile 
that we're to live life knowing that we can't live unless we're in your hands, Father. And I pray, Lord God, that our minds start to not live in the things of the world, but be transformed to the renewing mind of Christ Jesus when he walked in and touched the lepers. You want to talk a contagious disease, leprosy, (laughs) was a very contagious disease. And it didn't stop him from walking into the leper colonies or laying hands, or the apostles. They would walk in, they'd lay hands on the lepers. And I thank you, Father, that we are to live by faith and not by sight. We pray miraculous healing for everyone who is sick. We pray, pray miraculous protection for all of our families and friends and, and the people around this world. We just pray for that protection, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Some of our Russian ministers and churches are actually in Pakistan. I was invited to go, but because our borders are closed and America's borders are closed, but many other countries' borders aren't, and so they've actually all gone and uh, uh, just pray blessing upon Pakistan, Atik and his family, his young child, the Russian pastors that are doing crusades and evangelism, uh, just pray safety, protection, and miraculous healing power in Jesus' name. I want to talk about victorious Christian living. Um, I'm probably not going to finish this. I, I started thinking about it earlier this week, and I was up till uh, late, late, or early, early this morning, uh, writing notes, writing notes. I've, I've got basically 60 pages here of, again, big print. Remember, don't freak out. It's like, it's like big print. You're going to read it probably from the camera. Um, so I'm probably not going to finish it, but I felt like the Lord was encouraging us to, to work continually toward victorious living. Some people say victorious eschatology. Absolutely. I'm definitely a victorious eschatology. I truly believe that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross and rose again, he defeated the devil. He defeated the enemy, and he has given us the freedom to walk in freedom. Amen? So I prefer to live from victory instead of for victory. But as Christians, we all live a life with a great purpose and meaning, and so many times the enemy, his desire is to take out your purpose. His desire is that you and I will, will not think of our purpose and destiny in the eyes of God, and instead we start to follow purposes and destinies of the world or of the news or, or of whatever. And I want to encourage us over these next few Sundays that, that we need a transformation in our mindset. Many of us have a transformed mind. But I guarantee you, we have to continually be transforming our mind because none of us have ever gone through this pandemic before, and we're not finished with the pandemic. So our minds have to be transforming. What about the next thing that comes uh, in a year or two years or whatever? There's things that are coming. Just think of all of the things uh, that have been predicted. Remember the end of the world in the year 2000 or the end of the world in 1994? That was a Christian brother that actually prophesied that and made a ton of money on the book. But, you know, you think about it. Y2Ks. Anybody remember Y2K? Don't tell me you went out and bought a generator and stocked up on food, but you probably might have. We probably did. We were over in the islands of Micronesia at the time thinking, well, we don't have much over there anyway, so if the technology quits, I lose my laptop, but uh, we didn't. It all worked. The, The SARS, the 
all the issues, the pandemics, the viruses, the, the flus, the, the, the things that go on in life, it's life. But how do we receive those and how do we live? The Bible makes it very clear that we are to live victoriously. We are to live by faith, not by knowledge, but have knowledge to apply it to wisdom. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, in Ephesians 3, verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. How many of us believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think? So where is our mind at? Where is our thought pattern at? He can do greater things more than what we ask him and more than what we even think. Well, I guarantee you, if we think about the issues and problem, God can do better than that. But even when we think of his goodness, of his mercy, of his love for us, he can do better than that in our mindset. He's bigger, he's better than our minds can even comprehend. John chapter 10, verse 10. This is Jesus speaking. John 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Who's the implication of the thief at this moment in time? It's the enemy. It's the devil. It's sin. The th- anything that is contrary to the word of God, anything that is contrary to faith in Jesus Christ is the thief. So listen to this. The thief, anything contrary to what his word is, does not come except to steal. Steal what? Steal truth. Steal peace that passes understanding. Steal miraculous. Steal our love. Absolutely rob and steal our true identity. So the thief, he does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. You see, if you're living a mediocre Christian life and and not really doing any impact for the sake of Jesus, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the enemy's just kind of hanging there. But I guarantee you, when you start getting fired up a little bit, you start stepping out a little bit more in faith, uh, you might see a little bit more of those attacks come your way. But I tell you what, when you live from a victorious lifestyle, he's already defeated. Jeremiah, oh, I have come that they may have life, you and I have life, and that you and I, they may have it more abundantly. You see, not that you're just to live. You see, the enemy wants to steal living for Jesus, living on the Word of God. That's what the enemy wants to destroy. But the reality is, is that's not why Jesus came. So you and I could live a basic life, just a comfortable, fat life existence. No. I'm all for blessing. I'm all for when people get blessed and they can do things, they can go on vacation, they can get a vehicle, they can do things. I love it. It excites me when someone drives up in a new vehicle. It doesn't excite me 
when they couldn't afford it and now they have an issue and a problem. That doesn't excite me. But it excites me when they drive up in a vehicle or they have a motorhome or they have a house or they have an apartment or an upgraded apartment or something. It excites me when when that person is living for God and you can see the favor and the blessings just start pouring out on their life. I get excited. It is the living testimony of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection on this earth. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I tell you what, Jesus Christ came to give us life, and not just a basic life, but a life more abundant. (laughs) Abundant lifestyle. Just look to the person on your left and say, you are destined for an abundant lifestyle. Look to the right and say, I'm not sure about you. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, we love this scripture. This is the word of the Lord, that the word of the Lord that came to the prophet Jeremiah where? In prison. The word of the Lord that came to the prophet Jeremiah in prison. He says, call to me and I will answer you. Call to me and I will answer you. Where's Jeremiah? He's in prison. Call to me. I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I will show you. If you call to me, I will show you things that you do not know. Your knowledge will not show it to you. Your knowledge will not give it to you. You call to me, and it's the faith that releases the overabundance, and I will give you things that your knowledge could never even think of because your minds are too small. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. God has so much planned for every believer's life. You really think about it. For how many months have we been stuck in this rut of thinking of COVID? How many times do you turn on the news and never hear anything about COVID? How many conversations do you have with people and never a conversation about COVID comes up? I'll tell you what. I went into Starbucks this morning. I forgot my mask. I took it out when I was hot, and I figured I didn't need it. The moose wasn't asking me about COVID. And he social distanced about 300 yards away. Tim Horst, please. No swearing in here. Just kidding. You see, Jesus Christ is saying, ask. Call to me. Call to me. And I will answer you. But you see, many people and many Christians will just, or even non-Christians, they they cry out to God on their deathbed. Oh, God, help me. But you see, God's not looking for us to ask him something when we don't live the lifestyle of faith to have the power to speak it. He's looking for the people that have a faith level of great increase that actually carry from the faith within, carry the power to now speak and ask him. You see, it's different when I believe God hears our voice. He always hears our voice, no matter who you are. You could be the smallest of child, and he, that child will have great, greater faith than many adults. 
And when they ask for something, he hears it. But there's a lot of people, a lot of Christian people, that have just, I'm just Christian. They're just, yeah, I'm just Christian. I mean, there, there's, from, from Catholicism and, and, and different Orthodox, you know, religions, you're born into it. Or you got sprinkled into it or baptized into it, however you want to look at it. But you see, it's taking away the perspective of what Christ did on the cross. What Christ did on the cross was not so you could be born into, but you could be reborn. Not because your parents are good people, Christian people. No, you have to be reborn. Born again. Not by a man or a woman. Born again by Christ Jesus. And when we live with this level, and you're in prison, Jeremiah, in prison, do you think Jeremiah didn't cry out to the Lord before he got into prison? I wonder how much he cried out. I wonder how much he prayed to the Lord. Why I'd like to ask us this morning, what's your prison? Maybe that prison that Jeremiah sat in got him alone in his cell to where he could really meditate on the Lord and he could literally speak to him. And maybe it helped his faith grow. I truly believe that every attack against us, whatever prison it might be or look like, I guarantee you the devil is a lying deceiver and he's come to kill, seek out, kill, and destroy you. He's come to kill and destroy your vision by this attack. But you see, God, he's saying in the middle of your prison, I will hear you. I will hear you. But if you notice, Jeremiah still had to make the first response. Jeremiah could have ignored it. I'm just in my prison. God doesn't love me anymore. Maybe my bad decision of the past got me into this prison, into this jail, and and I feel so confined, and I feel like I'm chained, and I'm bound, and and I'm strapped into this cell, and and I can't get out of it, and and oh God, why did you abandon me? Oh God, are you still even there? Oh God, that's not, I believe, where Jeremiah is at. When you look at the context of that scripture, he's actually in there starting to praise. Call to me. Whatever prison it might be, call to me, and I will answer you. And I won't just answer you. I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. God has planned so much for every believer's life that we must actively go after all that God has planned for our life. We have to actively choose to go after it. And I'll tell you, it's easy to sit in the confines of the prisons around us, the the laws, the rules, the regulations uh, that are killing us, uh, uh, whatever it is, or taking our freedoms away. I truly believe we're we're losing some, some freedoms right now. 
Well, I know I am. I couldn't even buy a Starbucks without a mask on. But we're losing freedoms right now. In Canada, in America, we're losing freedoms. But I know that my freedom is not found in my circumstances. My freedom is always found in my Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the persecuted church in many other countries is one of the strongest churches in the world. Believe me, the North American church is not the strongest church in the world. It is the wealthiest, but it's not the strongest. God has planned so much for you, for me, everyone watching right now. He has planned so much. He has spent an eternity processing and planning your amazing and great destiny. No matter what's going on around you, his plan and his purpose will never come to an end in your life. His plan is for your destiny, your greatness. The Bible makes it clear that Christians are in a continual contest uh, with the devil. I tell you what, guaranteed, as much as I say the devil is defeated, he is defeated. But how is he defeated in my life? I have to believe, have faith in Jesus Christ to know that he has no power, this devil, in my life. And I refuse to give him authority in it. But I consciously make that decision every day. Sometimes Every hour of the day, it feels like. I have to convince myself. I have to tell myself. I have to bring my faith and build my faith level and know that, devil, you are defeated. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 to 9. 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. How do you resist him? Steadfast in the faith. How do you resist the roaring lion of the devil? Steadfast in the faith. When we stand steadfast in the faith, his roar goes to meow, meow. And some of you like cats, that's wonderful. Actually, I like cats. I have no problem with cats. I think they're great. Resist him. How? Be steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You know what? When you feel down, you feel attacked, no, you're not the only one. But don't go looking for all the down people so you can all talk the down negative (laughs) <laughs> because then, then your whole community becomes negative. It becomes down. No, when you're down, look for the ones that aren't down. Look for the ones that are on fire, that their faith is flying and cranking, and go hang out. But you know what? The natural, the human nature is if you're down and depressed, you want to find other down and depressed people. If you're angry at the government, you're going to find others that agree with you. I guarantee you, if you're super happy or angry with the government, you don't want to hang with someone who's actually super positive about it. But you see, we're not here for human nature. We're here for God's nature. And his nature in us is Christ Jesus living in us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. This is Paul speaking. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, 
and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, how many of you know that Paul suffered his share of persecution? He counted it an honor. You know, it's interesting when, when you get a, a true driven evangelist and, and, and they're super big on, how many of you have ever hung around a true evangelist that every single restaurant you go into, they're constantly going after people to talk to them about Jesus? And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I've been a little embarrassed. Because, and I'll tell you why. Because sometimes I'm wondering if the person's doing it because I'm there with them. And I get that gut feeling like you're trying to impress, but the reality is, is be who you are, whoever you're around. And I hope it's Christ Jesus. But I know some people that have actually been so offended, they offended, I should say, offended the, the actual establishment that we got kicked out. This is years ago. We were asked to leave. And I just wanted my dinner. And you know what? We get outside, and, and the evangelist says, wow, wasn't that good? You know, we're persecuted for Jesus. I'm like, no, you actually offended everybody in there. That's not Jesus. See, Jesus didn't walk around offending. He actually walked around being Christ, being Jesus Christ. And if people got offended, it didn't stop him. He kept walking. I truly believe it's a, we learn and we grow on how to evangelize. Oh, I used to, you need Jesus now, now, now. Oh, yeah, I was vigorous in my youth. But you know what? You can walk up to somebody and just live testimony. I've had people walk up to me and say, something different about you. I think Chris the other week was getting toilet paper or something. Chris McNeil, I, I don't know if I heard the testimony, but Sharon shared it with me and went in to get toilet paper and it was already, well, Paul, that was Paul, and was already out of toilet paper and he just didn't stress about it. They, they didn't have toilet paper. They were all sold out. And something, if you, I could be wrong, but Paul McNeil said that he ended up not stressing about it, went to check out the stuff he got and the guy has three, three bags and can't take them all, so Paul got one without stressing about it, you know? And then they got to pray for the guy, that's right, and now they still got connected with phone numbers and stuff. I'm like, seriously, don't worry about toilet paper. I mean, you got poison ivy out there, don't worry about it, so. John chapter 15. Did I do John 15, 18 yet? No. John 15, verse 18 to 19. This is Jesus speaking about the world's hatred. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. In other words, if the world doesn't hate you, then I wonder how Christ-like you're living. When I say world, that's sin. But it doesn't mean your neighbor should hate you. It doesn't mean you have a bad attitude and no one likes you. No, 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 no. That's not the life of Christ. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, in other words, the unsaved, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. See, the Christian walk is like 
rowing upstream against a tide of the world against you. Anyone ever tried to row a boat upstream? It's tough. It's tough. I've worked around the ocean a lot and with tidal currents and stuff, and it's the most frustrating thing when you are rowing and rowing and you're watching instead of the, the hill beside you getting behind you, it's going farther forward, and you're like, that's not working well. That's not working well. But the neat thing is, is through Jesus Christ, when you row your boat upstream, a supernatural wind, a supernatural presence takes over. And all of a sudden, things start to happen. And you might go against the ways of the world, which you will. But you will become a shining light. And all these other people trying to row their boat in the same river are looking and saying, what are they doing different? Here I am beating myself up trying to make ends meet. What are they doing different as a Christian? When we live in victory, our life is full of purpose. When we live in victory, we remain strong during trials. And the disappointments of life are but for a moment, but not a lifestyle. You see, when we live in a victorious lifestyle, if there's an issue or problem around us, there will always be a solution. His name is Jesus Christ and the Word of God. There is always a solution. And God is calling us to be a solution instead of co-laboring with a problem. He is not asking us to live in the fear of the things of this world. He's asking us to have the faith to live in the kingdom come. His will be done now on earth as it is in heaven. I have seven points written down, and I should finish about four hours from now. I'm going to just go through the first one and be finished until next week. They're like keys, but I believe we need to end on this one here today. One of the main keys to live in a victorious lifestyle, victory in our lives, is we must refuse to live with past regrets. We must refuse to live in our past regrets. We have to let go of past failures past disappointments, because if we don't, we could never fully embrace the future that God has planned for our life. One of the greatest things that knocks us out as believers into the destiny of God's purpose for us, one of the greatest things is we just can't let go of our pain of the past, our mistakes, or what people have said to me, or people have done to me, and we just can't let it go. And I believe God is calling us into such a time as this. So we aren't the remembrance of our mistakes, but instead pull the testimony out of it and say, well, I know what not to do. I know how much when that person said that behind my back, it was like a knife stabbing in my back. I know the pain, and because I know the pain, I refuse to do it to them or anybody else. I'll tell you what, I have felt so much pain by what people have said about me or our ministry or my family, whatever, behind my back, sometimes to my face. And I'm a fighter, 
my first reaction is you hit this hard, I hit back harder. It's just my first reaction. But I want to tell you, it's not the way of Christ Jesus. I had to try and just start blessing them and praying for their lives and their families. We have to let go of past failures and disappointments or we'll never fully embrace the future that God has planned for us. When we dwell on our past failures, it will cause us to live a discouraged and defeated lifestyle. If you're discouraged and defeated, then somehow there's a lack of identity of Jesus in you. I guarantee you. Or you're living under the pain of your past mistakes. I tell you what, in the kingdom of God, I'm not sure if there's many mistakes in the kingdom. I truly believe that there's lessons to be learned from things that we've done not so well. And if you continually talk about somebody else's past failures or mistakes, then you not only defeat yourself for them, but you defeat them as well. Our destiny is not to live in our problems. And our destiny is not to condemn somebody else in their problems. Our destiny is to live in freedom through Jesus Christ and bring that testimony to the weary and heavy laden. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. This is Paul writing. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. (laughs) He probably feels a bit Oh, I feel a bit like him right now preaching. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained. I'm preaching to you like I've attained it. I haven't attained it. I'm working at it. I'm not perfected. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Christ Jesus lay hold of us, of me. Say that right now. Christ Jesus lay hold of me. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I I don't count myself as knowing it all. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I don't know it all. I, I don't. I, 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 I make mistakes. I haven't perfected it yet. I, it sounds like when I preach, I, I, I have an understanding or a great understanding. You know, I'm still learning. I'm preaching to myself. But I know what? That for me to advance... For any of us to advance in his kingdom on this earth in the destiny and the amazing call that he's given to us. For any of us to advance, we have to forget the things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 43, 
18 to 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. In other words, if we live in the things, the former things, the things of old, he can't do a new thing in you. That's what it says. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. If you're in the wilderness, Jesus Christ is making a road for us. And rivers in the desert, if you feel that you're in a dry season, he is the river. When we fully trust our future to the Lord, we will always see God bring restoration to our lives. Psalms 103, verse 2 to 5. I'm going to run these through quickly. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Let's just bless him and, and make sure we remember all his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. How many diseases? How many diseases does he heal? How many iniquities, how many wrongful things could you do, sinful things, and he, and he forgives them? How many forgiveness of iniquities does he have? All your iniquities. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. And he redeems your life from destruction. If you're in destruction, he's the redeemer. And he doesn't just redeem you. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. <laughs> you see, it's, it's not just about I forgive you. It's about I forgive you and I crown you. <laughs> it's not, okay, yep, yep. You did it. You screwed up. Whatever, don't do it again. No, no, no. He's like, no, no, oh, I don't care what you did. Here's the crown. Here's mercies that will endure forever and ever. Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things. You see, when we understand this, our mouth is satisfied with bad things. Good things. So in reality, the flip side of that, if your mouth is speaking bad things, you will not be satisfied. Hmm. Why do we need this? Second part of verse 5. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How many want a renewed youth like an eagle? cannot dwell on past failures, wrong choices, or disappointments, because when we dwell on those, you eliminate the ability for God to do the great things in a victorious life. Let's stand. If you're down, if you're sick, if you're heavy laden, if you feel downtrodden, if you feel like people are walking all over you, you feel like you're in a box or a prison, a jailhouse, whatever, if, if there's something that's, maybe it's a fear of the stuff that's going on around you, that's prison. 
The only freedom is the fear of the Lord, and that's a healthy fear. But the fear of anything else is a jail. It is a prison. Maybe you're fearful because of your past mistakes. Maybe you're fearful because you got yourself into a financial bind. Maybe you're fearful. Maybe it's burdening you. Maybe you feel like you're in a jail and you can't cut this out. You can't get out. You're bound. I want to tell you, right now in the middle of a jailhouse, a cell, in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of depression, in the middle of stress, in the middle of sickness, or in the middle of disease, right now, let's focus and give praise to the name of Jesus. My son got up and he said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They didn't sound like him there. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In a cell. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The name above all names. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My Lord and Savior. The King of kings. And the Lord of Jesus, 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 my lover, my healer, my wisdom, the man of wisdom, Jesus Christ, my comforter, Jesus, 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 the name all names. Father God, we come to you, we, we worship you, we celebrate you. Your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives, in our minds, on earth as it is in heaven. For you gave us this day for bread to feed us, not to starve and destroy. And so we speak right now to depression. Get out in Jesus' name. We speak right now to sickness and disease. Get out in Jesus' name. We speak right now to financial disaster. Get out in Jesus' name. We speak to family dysfunction and disunity. Get out. In Jesus' name. And we cry out to you, Lord. Come. Come. Father God, come. Holy Spirit, come. See, like darkness in people's hearts and lives and minds, the jails, like the, the gates and the chains are rattling. And a light stands before us and says, Come, follow me. <laughs> I'll make you fishers of men. And I thank you, Father God. 
that you have called each one of us with such a great purpose and a destiny that our minds cannot even imagine it. And I cry out to anyone who does not know you, Lord Jesus, as their personal Savior. If that's you and you're watching or you're listening right now, or maybe you just haven't been serving God to the capacity that you know you're supposed to. Now is the time. Today is the time. This is the hour and the minute and the seconds to make that wrong right. By believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe on me and you shall be saved, says the Lord. And I ask, Lord, right now, any unbelievers, anyone who's struggling in that, will make that commitment, that covenant right now in their own life with you, Lord Jesus. I see uh, uh, somewhere in the left hip, hip down to the knee area. That pain just has to go in Jesus' name just has to go in Jesus' name. You're, you are not destined to carry that pain. Your destiny is to be free and liberated in Jesus Christ and declare the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Someone's been having some heart uh, palpitations or AFib or something and, and even sometimes there's a pain associated with it. In Jesus' name, be healed right now in Jesus' name. That heart is being renewed right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Right uh, finger area, probably the, the, the little one or the one right beside it, right up to the wrist. Uh, maybe it has to do with carpal tunnel or has to do with an old injury. I just see things coming back into alignment, being healed right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Just move it around. If you're on TV watching, if you're in, in the house here and that's you, just move it around. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The name of Jesus. <laughs> COVID, go. In Jesus' name. If you're at home watching and you've got the flu or you've got COVID, right now declare, in Jesus' name, my body does not deserve this disease or this virus. In Jesus' name, be healed. I can actually see some financial concerns. I feel like the Lord is going to drop, uh, I, I want to say drop little, uh, what would be the word, um, uh, little nuggets of wisdom. Little nuggets of wisdom. Maybe while you're dreaming, maybe while you're sleeping, maybe while you're in prayer, studying the word. He's going to drop little nuggets of wisdom, which are going to help correct the financial crisis nuggets of wisdom, maybe from somebody, help correct finances in your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Someone's uh, thinking, I'm sure, I think it's on TV or on the internet right now, but it's watching. Uh, you have a business and it's been, been, been hard during COVID, but I feel like the Lord, because you had vision of opening a second store, and I feel like the Lord, our second arm to the business, I feel like the Lord is saying, don't lose the vision because of this. Get prepared, for the doors are getting prepared to open, and that second business will start in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
So, Father, we thank you. We honor you. We love you. Jesus, the Christ, the living Lord and Savior, thank you for dying on the cross and rising again and setting us free, giving us the life of victory. Holy Spirit, thank you to be our comforter, our power. Sunday, I'm going to continue on this topic. But if you want prayer, come forward. We're going to have a prayer team here and uh, come forward for prayer. And uh, let's just believe and step in faith this week. Walk in faith, believing and knowing He's a good God and you're a good son and daughter.